MSW Media. News was Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 4th, 2020. Today, a Stephen Miller aide installed at the Department of Justice is banned from the building for trying to exfiltrate election information to the White House. Trump is livid with Bill Barr for failing on Durham and announcing there was no election fraud and is considering firing him. Dr. Anthony Fauci has agreed to continue his work in the Biden administration. The Trump legal crusade is peppered with errors. Nancy Pelosi announces House chairmanships and Saudi Arabia will end its three year cuttery blockade. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, at Being Friday, today we will be having our happy hour at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That is for patrons. If you are not a patron and you want to be one, you'll get these episodes early the night before they come out to the public. You'll get them ad-free. You get our weekly newsletter, my research notes, all the bonus uh, book club episodes, past and current Um, Any bonus content that we put out there. And obviously, you'll get invitations to the Zoom call, the Zoom live question and answer happy hour extravaganza we put on every Friday. So to do that, head to patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote, or you can do it at Supercast too. go to Supercast and look up the Daily Beans and you'll be able to sign up that way. And you can do it for as little as three bucks a month. So it's awesome. And if you want to actually donate uh, a membership, a year-long membership for someone who can't afford it right now, can't swing it. Uh, you can do that. And we also uh, give them to um, our frontline workers, healthcare workers, veterans, you know, people people who deserve them and, you know, might not be able to swing it right now. You can do that. You can donate at dailybeanspod.com and just scroll down on the main page. And it's just 36 bucks for an entire year's worth of being a patron that you can donate. And that's where you can also sign up to get one of those donated memberships. So check that out again, dailybeanspod.com. And on the bottom of the first page today, we have uh, Glenn Kirshner will be joining us. I had some questions about um, pardons, presidential pardons, how pardons work in the District of Columbia and how the office, the U.S. Attorney's Office works there and what crimes they investigate. And, you know, because yesterday we talked about the Ivanka uh, deposition in the civil suit uh, by Racine, who is the district attorney. Uh, And as we know, um, that's different from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia. But apparently there's a lot of different weird rules and regulations that doesn't quite work the same way that, like, for example, the Southern District of New York in New York is a federal uh, jurisdiction, whereas the Cy Vance and the Manhattan DA is state. So there are different things going on in the District of Columbia because they don't have a governor. They're not a state. They're not a city. They're a federal city. It's very different. And so, you know, since Glenn Kirshner worked there for 20 plus years in the prosecutor's office, I figured he would have the answers and he does. So he'll be here with us. And I'll also be talking to election security expert Jennifer Cohn. She was uh, with us at one of our live shows um, in Seattle. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, at what she does, she's she's been retweeted by Hillary Clinton and and just several uh, important folks follow her work. And we're going to be talking about Dominion and ESNS voting machines and the security of this election in 2020 versus 2016. And of course, it's Friday. That means Amy Carrera will be joining me for the good news at the end of the show. You don't want to miss that. As for now, we have a lot of headlines to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
Okay, lead story today comes out of the Department of Justice with the Associated Press reporting, quote, the official serving as President Donald Trump's eyes and ears at the Justice Department has been banned from the building after trying to pressure staffers to give up sensitive information about election fraud and other matters that she could relay to the White House. That's according to three people familiar with the matter. Uh, who discussed it with the Associated Press. Her name is Heidi Stirrup. She's an ally of top Trump advisor Stephen Miller. And she was quietly installed at the Justice Department as a White House liaison a few months ago. She was told within the last two weeks to vacate the building after top justice officials learned of her efforts to collect inside information about ongoing cases and the department's work on election fraud. It also says here, other matters. And I'm that interests me very much. Um, Stirrup is accused of approaching staffers in the department and demanding that they give her information about investigations, including election fraud matters. That's according to uh, these sources who spoke to the AP. They spoke on the condition of anonymity, though, because they were not authorized to publicly discuss the matter. Can't imagine why. Stirrup had also extended job offers to Trump political allies for positions at some of the highest levels in the Justice Department without consulting any senior department officials or the White House Counsel's Office. And she also attempted to interfere in the hiring process for career staffers, which is a violation of the government's human resource policies. So very interesting things going on in the Department of Justice. It sounds like, you know how we talk about the projection that Donald Trump participates in, his hypocrisy. He accuses people of things he's guilty of. Well, this is his deep state. He is installing people detailing them through the Presidential Personnel Office, the Office of Presidential Personnel, uh, which is run by McEntee, remember? And we talked about them. They're all like in teenagers and they're all smearing off icing each other. Uh, yeah, that person um, had detailed her a few months ago. She still wears a hat at the Department of Homeland Security. Um, and she's not, she's not drawing two salaries or anything. And that is, you know, a legal detail. But it's, espionage isn't really legal. Um, but again, can it be committed by the president of the United States? <laughs> Remains to be seen. And speaking of the Department of Justice, we've learned from CNN's Caitlin Collins that Trump unloaded on Bill Barr during that meeting that they had earlier this week. Um, in that meeting, President Trump vented about the Department of Justice's lack of success in overturning the 2020 election results. Uh, Trump's feelings towards Barr have grown so negative that he's reportedly threatened to fire him, despite the fact that there are less than two months left in his presidency. And, you know, we, we talked we touched on this a bit yesterday. But I mean, the other thing that that um, Trump is upset about is that Durham didn't produce anything that Trump was expecting Barr to have Durham put this report out before the election within 60 days, which is against Department of Justice policy. And Barr even overturned that policy. And we all thought he was going to come out with some bullshit, but he didn't. And that upset Trump as well. And it's likely because Durham didn't have anything. Uh, But now, as we know, he's installed all these people. And now we know that he's not only getting them to... um, maybe protect or destroy information or stymie the transition, but exfiltrate intelligence, exfiltrate information on open and ongoing investigations from the Justice Department to the White House. Um, Very big no-no. We'll keep following these stories as they unfold. Uh, And from Democracy Now!, Saudi Arabia and Qatar are reportedly close to reaching an agreement to end the over three-year Saudi-led blockade of Qatar. This possible deal comes after Jared Kushner, 
visited the Gulf this week. In tow with Jared Kushner was a, an ex-envoy to Iran and also a business partner in Kushner Company. Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates and Egypt imposed a blockade on Qatar in 2017 after accusing it of becoming too close to Iran. Analysts say the push by the Trump administration is part of its effort to isolate Iran and elevate Israeli interests in the region. It's really interesting, too, because we learned a couple weeks ago about the secret meeting, actually a week and a half ago, about the secret meeting between Mohammed bin Salman and Bibi Netanyahu and Pompeo. Right after that meeting happened, that uh, nuclear scientist in Iran was assassinated. And now we've got Kushner heading over there, who was bailed out by Qatar, by the way. Um, and Qatar, of course, said, oh, we had no idea we had, were, were bailing out. We're only invested in the company that gave him a billion dollars or whatever. And because, you know, because Kushner is in massive debt with his 666 Fifth Avenue building. Same building, by the way, that Manafort and Kalimnik traded polling information in back in the day in 2016. Very cool. Totally legal. Totally cool. And as it says here, in 2017, Kushner's family real estate business appealed to Qatar's billionaire former prime minister to finance his devil building. I call the 666 Fifth Avenue the devil building. And that was one month there. And one month later, he and other Qatari investors refused. Um, and, and then Jared pushed the Trump administration to support the blockade of Qatar. Very very shady. Now, also, this is good news. Dr. Anthony Fauci will continue his job at the National Institute of Health, the NIH, after inauguration. Fauci told CBS that he had spoken with incoming chief of staff Ron Klain several times, and he met also today with President-elect Biden. So that seems like it's going forward. I do not know what would happen if Trump fired Fauci, much like uh, Chris Ray is staying on at the FBI, if he's still there. Um, I don't know what would happen if Trump fired these folks. I don't know if Biden would hire them back. If, if I would hire Fauci back, put him back in, at the at the NIH. He's one of the top uh, epidemiologists in the world. So that's where we are there. And then from Politico, Sidney Powell. This is such a great opening line for an article. Um, thanks to Kyle Cheney here. Quote: Sidney Powell released the Kraken, and it turns out the mythological sea beast can't spell, is terrible at geography, and keeps mislabeling plaintiffs in court. So here's some examples of some of the just absolute ridiculous mistakes Sidney Powell has made. First, a congressional candidate Powell claimed to represent in one lawsuit said that, in fact, he had nothing to do with Powell or the lawsuit. Uh, in another case, an expert witness cited named a non-existent county in Michigan. A Wisconsin lawsuit sought data on alleged irregularities at a voting center in Detroit, which is in Michigan, and a filing in federal district court signed by Powell misspelled district twice. Judges have also been flummoxed. For example, Pamela Pepper, chief judge of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Wisconsin, wrote in an order on Wednesday, quote, while the caption of the motion includes the word emergency and the attached proposed order seeks an expedited injunction, neither the motion nor the proposed order indicate whether the plaintiffs are asking the court to act more quickly or why. As indicated, the motion does not request a hearing. It does not propose a briefing schedule. <laughs> So despite being fired from Trump's elite strike force, uh, Powell just hosted that rally in Georgia. We talked a little bit yesterday with Lynn Wood, and they solicited donations and urged Republicans to withhold their votes from uh, the Republican senators in the January runoffs, saying they've been insufficiently supportive of Trump. So very interesting. Powell and Wood, Lynn Wood, allege a vast conspiracy theory in which states' electronic voting systems have been manipulated by a company with ties to the late Venezuelan president, Hugo Chavez. 
Some more errors. At least twice, Powell has sued on behalf of a party that didn't agree to be part of the case. We talked about this in a, a second ago, but in a filing in Wisconsin, Powell included Derek Van Orden, a Republican candidate who narrowly lost to Ron Kind in Wisconsin, included him as a plaintiff. But Van Orden tweeted, he had nothing to do with the suit. I have nothing to do with this, and I don't know what she's talking about. In a suit in Georgia, she listed Cobb County Republican Party chair Jason Shepard as a plaintiff acting on behalf of the local party. Shepard initially put out a statement by saying she had done so preemptively and without his sign-off, though Shepard and the county party uh, then agreed to do, to stay on the suit. And meanwhile, in a suit in Michigan, Powell included a declaration, declaration is spelled wrong, from a cybersecurity expert, Navid Keshavar's Nia that uh, hits on popular a popular conspiracy theory, Hammer and Scorecard, alleging that the vote totals were hacked. Um, Keshavarznia alleges the pattern of improbable vote reporting in Edison County, Michigan, that backs up his theory. The only problem is there's no such thing as Edison County, Michigan. There's no Edison County in Michigan. Another brief from Powell in the Wisconsin case misattributes Biden's margin of victory in the state of Georgia. Uh, in another lawsuit filed by Wood, one of, you know, Lynn Wood, he made a similar mistake. A suit he filed in Georgia included an affidavit from Russell James Ramsland Jr., who represented himself as a security expert. But while alleging some type of fraud in Michigan, he instead included towns that are from Minnesota. Powell has also misrepresented government documents. She's done this a few times. She did this in the Flynn case. The Georgia lawsuit alleges that a certificate from the Secretary of State was awarded to Dominion Voting Systems, but it's not dated. And she attached a copy of the certificate. The reality is more prosaic, though, as Reuters first reported. The actual certificate from the secretary's office is both dated and publicly available online. She just cut that part out. And Nancy Pelosi has released a preliminary list of House chair positions. There's a few things to note. Let me pull this list up here. It's kind of interesting. Um, a little baffling in some cases. But she has agriculture, as David Scott of Georgia, appropriations, as Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut, Armed Services, Adam Smith of Washington, Budget, John Yarmouth of Kentucky, Education and Labor is Bobby Scott of Virginia, Energy and Commerce, Frank Pallone of New Jersey, Financial Services, Maxine Waters, she stays on, Foreign Affairs, Gregory Meeks of New York, it used to be Elliot Engel, but he lost his election, Homeland Security, Benny Thompson of Mississippi, House Administration, Zoe Lofgren of California, Judiciary, Jerry Nadler. I'm upset about that, but uh, we can talk about that tomorrow, actually Sunday. Natural Resources, Raul Grijalva of Arizona. Oversight, Carolyn Maloney of New York. Rules, Jim McGovern of Massachusetts. Science, Space, and Technology, Eddie Bernice Johnson of Texas. Small Business um, is Nydia Velasquez of New York. Transportation and Infrastructure, Peter DeFazio of Oregon. Veterans Affairs, Mark Tacano of California, and Ways and Means is still Dickie Neal of Massachusetts, Richard Neal. Now, I, I, I'll i go ahead and tell you now. I'll, I won't save it till Sunday. I I think Jerry, Jerry Nadler's a fine representative. He's, he's a good man, but he didn't do a very good job uh, in the Trump administration of, of chairing the House Judiciary. You've heard me talk about this. He waited four months um, to file with the court for the underlying grand jury materials and the Mueller investigation, which sort of took the steam out of any of his subpoenas with anything having to do with the Mueller investigation. They're still unresolved. Um, of course, that has a lot to do with the Republicans refusing to show up and refusing to honor the subpoenas. Um, but there was no inherent contempt. There was no rule change. They've been talking about it for a very long time, and it never happened. And then you'll notice... Um, 
missing from that list is the House Intelligence Committee. That has been chaired by Adam Schiff of California. And nobody's really saying why House Intelligence isn't listed or hasn't been decided yet. And my beans are a couple of things. It could be because it's being contested. Maybe somebody wants it instead of Adam Schiff. Although I can't imagine... If she's keeping Nadler on and she's keeping anti like, I don't understand. There would be no reason for her to not keep Schiff on. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Adam Schiff is being considered for a position in the administration, in the Biden administration. And Pelosi is waiting to hear whether he's going to get that position or not before she announces the, the chairship of uh, the House Intelligence Committee. What he could be considered for in the administration, he could be being considered for attorney general, though I haven't heard his name floated. I've only heard Tom Perez's name floated, and I hope that's not the case. But uh, I don't think he's... um, I don't think he's aggressive enough. I really want an aggressive attorney general. Uh, Law-abiding, but, you know, someone who's not afraid to set legal precedent, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but he could also be considered for a t- there's a ton of legal positions, there's, you know, um, Office of Legal Counsel um, in any agency or in the actual Office of Legal Counsel itself for the White House could be considered be, being considered for White House counsel. There's several different positions he could be up for. And it's it's not he's not someone that people should be worried about taking out of the House of Representatives. He's from a solid, solid blue district in Los Angeles. So that's what I think. I think he's being considered for a White House position or an administrative pos- administration position, and they are waiting to hear whether he's selected or not before they go ahead and announce that he would remain. And I believe if the, he what didn't go work for the Biden administration, that he would remain the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Finally, I have some new information about the structure of the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office and that Ivanka deposition I talked about earlier. I'll be discussing that with Glenn Kirshner next. And later, I'll be talking voting machines and election security with expert Jenny Cohn. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. And this episode is brought to you by American Giant. Did you know back in 1960, 95% of our clothes were made in the United States? And today it's only 3%. And right now is the perfect time to buy clothes made here. And that's what I want to tell you about American Giant. And, you know, they want to make things better by making better things. That's the important part here. They have a 100% USA-based supply chain that they've built, and they have strong relationships to factories, workers, and communities at every step of the way. Now, it's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for the people, and it's better for our planet. And here's why. American Giant makes clothing that's durable. It's not disposable. They're reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last, clothes that are meant to be used more so you don't need to buy them over and over again. They're made to be kept longer, you know, and that way they don't end up in landfills. And that's what makes it, you know, environmentally friendly and sustainable. I recently got their fleece trucker jacket. It's very warm and cozy. I love it. Very comfortable. Best of all, it was made here in the United States supporting local communities. So check out American Giant and get the best, most high quality clothes on the market. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. All right, everybody. Everybody knows about yesterday. We talked about the news that Ivanka was deposed in a civil suit in the District of Columbia. And there's been a lot of confusion about the structure of the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. And joining us today is a 30-year veteran federal prosecutor who worked in D.C. for at least 20 of those years, Glenn Kirshner. He's going to answer some questions. Glenn, how are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? 
very confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been doing my own research, trying to put these things together, and and I just want to verify kind of what I've seen and what I've come up with. Explain to me, the D.C. U.S. attorney is Racine. His name is Racine. But he's not just the U.S. attorney. He also covers D.C. code. Am I right on that? He's not a U.S. attorney at all. So Ah. it it is a confusing series of sort of governmental agencies and players in Washington, D.C. proper. So first of all, because it was chartered as a federal city, it has forever wanted to be a state, but it's not a state. So it has never had, for example, a district attorney's office, a prosecutor's office. It is an independent, freestanding city government. Mayor Bowser is uh, is the mayor and the attorney general for the District of Columbia is Carl Racine. He is a local city official. It has nothing to do with the federal government. It has nothing to do with the U.S. attorney's office. It has nothing to do with the Department of Justice. It's completely independent of the federal government. So, yeah, it engenders lots of confusion. Um, but and, and let me tell you that my former office, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, is obviously part of the Department of Justice. We are the federal prosecutors in D.C., just like we're the federal prosecutors in the other 93 U.S. attorney's offices around the country and around the world, Guam and, and Virgin Islands and whatnot. And but that, we was also, the, that was the uh, the Jesse Liu, uh, Tim Shea yes. shake up that whole thing where we had to deal with all of, of that, where you know, she was promised a job at Treasury. That nomination was ripped out from under her. She was gone. This is where they were prosecuting Stone through and Flynn through and and all of that. Exactly. And don't forget, this is the office, my former office, that got the criminal referrals from the Senate Intel Committee for guys like Bannon and Kushner and Don Jr. And the bar acolytes that were U.S. attorney at the time, we've run through a couple of them now, they just sat on those things. And we have no idea whatever happened with those criminal referrals. I hope we hear about them again beginning in January. But just to finish the thought, so because the local city government, Carl Racine is the attorney general, um, has, has, does not have a prosecutor's office, we prosecuted all the federal crimes in D.C. and my old office prosecuted all the local crimes in D.C. as if we were local DAs or state's attorneys. So we did it all. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so... How do you separate, like, let's take an instance like the uh, catch and kill Stormy Daniels investigation. Southern District of New York, federal, was looking into that. Then they, uh, it got shut down, something happened, they didn't go forward with the prosecution. Then Southern District of New York either probably cooperates or talks to or hands off a bunch of stuff to the district attorney in Manhattan and says, here's what we've got. And then they pick up the case and, and run with it. How does that work in D.C.? Let's say you've got some sort of a federal, well, for, for now, we'll just use the Ivanka civil suit example out of Carl Racine's office. If those want to be turned into criminal charges somehow, where, who do those get referred to? So if there are criminal charges that are, um, yeah, it, it gets complicated. Think of the, the Carl Racine civil suit. 
Remember how um, Tish James in New York, the attorney general for the state of New York, went after the NRA. Uh-huh. So and Carl Racine, as the attorney general for the city of Washington, D.C., went after the NRA organization that is based in the city of Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So now if there were crimes that spun out of that, those crimes would be referred to my old office, the U.S. attorney's office for the District of Columbia, because remember so maybe maybe this will help. I was not only the federal prosecutor in Washington, D.C., but I was also the Cy Vance. Right. I was also not that I was the boss, but I was also the local prosecutor for D.C., just like Cy Vance is the local prosecutor in Manhattan. So remember how Tis James talked about I'm going after the NRA. But if there are any criminal referrals, any criminal charges spin out of my investigation, I'll be referring them to Cy Vance. Yeah, that to be makes prosecuted, sense to me. Right. Well, so in D.C., if there were any criminal offenses that were to spin out of the Ivanka, you know, the, the case in which Ivanka was just opposed, they would get referred over to my former office, the U.S. attorney's office. But. They might be they might be local crimes because the U.S. attorney's office where Jesse Liu used to work and where you used to work also prosecutes local crimes. Bingo. So we would be like in the Southern District of New York, we would be like the federal prosecutor, the U.S. attorney for SDNY, and we would be Cy Vance all rolled into one office. Does Carl Racine only do civil suits? Yes, the U.S. Uh, the the <laughs> the city government. So in his capacity as the attorney general for the city government of Washington, they only do civil matters, all criminal matters. Okay. It's a strange hybrid. And one of the reasons that we're often criticized as the prosecutors for D.C., the local prosecutors, is we're not beholden to the people of the District of Columbia because we're not elected, right? Or we're not appointed by anybody that the citizens of D.C. elect. So... We always had a delicate balance to strike because we were perceived as the big bad feds, but we were also the local prosecutors. So we worked very hard and I'm very proud of the work we did to remain connected to the local community to make sure that they felt like we were their community prosecutors. Right. Imagine if the district attorney in San Diego were appointed by, was federally appointed. Yeah, you would have to definitely do a lot of community work. Uh, to, you know, to keep the trust up. One final question for you. I've read that um, both the handling out of the, the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, handling both federal and city crimes, is that what you call them? Local, uh, I, would, local, I would call them local crimes, yeah. Local crimes of the D.C. Code, both pardonable by the president. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So, yeah, that's an unusual quirk because all prosecutions in D.C., are run out, run by the U.S. Attorney's Office, even though they're not all federal crimes. They're all prosecuted by federal authorities. And the, the quirk in the way we're structured is that the president can pardon any convictions in D.C., whether those convictions are in violation of federal statutes or local D.C. law. But he can't pardon civil suits. No. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is is when, not if, Trump pardons his daughter Ivanka, 
even if there were criminal things that rolled out of this civil suit in Racine's office, mm -hmm. they would be pardoned. If the jurisdiction was exclusively in Washington, D.C., yes. Now, if there were state, if there were, you know, crimes that were parts of conspiracies that violated the state law of Virginia or the state law of Maryland, which is not unusual, it's such a tight, you know, cluster of jurisdictions down here, then he couldn't do anything about it. But now we're really kind of spinning far off a field from where things are right now with Carl Racine as the top law enforcement officer for the city of Washington, D.C., what he is doing by looking into Ivanka Trump. But look, this is one of about 18,000 suits and prosecutions that these people better be subjected to in January. <laughs> yeah. Also, we've never had the nepotistic pardon of a child. Uh, and so, again, as you say, maybe something that's that's challengeable. Uh, and also, you know, new, the the Trump organization is in New York, and if any of those inaugural funds flowed through there, they could be subject to Manhattan District Attorney business law. Yep, yep. And it's going to rain pardons very shortly. It will. It will rain pardons, I'm sure. And I would love to talk to you more about that if you'll come back. Absolutely. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, former federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner. I appreciate your time today. Certainly. Hey, everybody, it's AJ for The Daily Beans, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon. This is an incredible company providing the best in connected fitness at an affordable price. Uh, ever since they closed the gyms down, I've been, I've been craving my workouts, and that is why Echelon is incredible and amazing, and I love them. I just, I wanted to be more active, I was being restless, I, my mental health was suffering, and so here we go, now I'm back with the best workouts ever. And the best remedy for that is the rush of endorphins, exercise, the feeling of, you know, accomplishing a workout. So, that's what Echelon's about. The people at Echelon pride themselves on being able to help you achieve your fitness goals. Their service is incredible. One Echelon membership allows five household members to enjoy all the benefits. They have a huge variety of equipment and programs. First of all, they have the connected bikes that give you an immersive spin studio experience. I love it. They have smart rowers that take you down the best waterways in the world. And they have the Reflect Smart Mirrors for personal training right at the touch of a button. It's incredible. And there's just one app to connect them all. And again, five household family members can use this. Echelon United provides access to all the content throughout their products. They have thousands of on-demand classes with 30-plus accredited world-class trainers, and they have guests and celebrity pop-in instructors, too. It's amazing. You can work out uh, you know, with the community, the Echelon community, and inspire each other to climb the leaderboards. Echelon has been featured everywhere. Women's Health, Cosmo, Time, People, Wall Street Journal has said that Echelon has cracked the code, and Yahoo Finance says Echelon is where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford. So if you want to turn things around, get in the best shape of your life, check them out. EchelonFit.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. I've had a couple election of election security questions, and so who better to call than election security advocate and writer, expert, encyclopedic knowledge of voting machines and all things, you know, ha hashtag handmarked paper ballots, Jenny Cohn. Jennifer, welcome. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Good to talk to you, A.G. It's great to talk to you, too. We, have, we haven't had you on in a while. Um, and now that the election is all wrapped up and we've started, you know, getting into, well, we'll say the Trump supporters are getting into the weeds, just the wrong weeds. And what I mean by that is they keep 
harping on Dominion voting machines, which I believe are just counting machines, not voting machines. You can probably set me straight on that. But the instant I heard that, I was like, those aren't the machines we should be worried about. And I know that because of you. Can you talk a little bit about the Dominion voting machines and the ESNS voting machines? Sure. So I would say we should actually worry about all voting machines generally. Um, There's no reason what we need are evidence-based elections, by which I mean that election officials can actually prove in the court of public opinion that election outcomes are legitimate. And what that would require if you're going to use machines as we do to count paper ballots um, is it would require robust manual election audits using those paper ballots by hand for every race and also a transparent chain of custody between election night and the audit. And we do not do this in the United States. So I don't really trust any of the election outcomes outright. But in terms of vendors, you know, America's two largest vendors are ESNS and Dominion Voting. ESNS is the larger of the two. In 2017, the Wharton Business School did a study and concluded that ESNS was 44% of U.S. election equipment and that Dominion was 37%. I myself have cited those statistics many, many times, but I should say now with all the focus, sort of bizarre singular focus on Dominion, that that breakdown is actually, I believe, misleading, Um, not deliberately misleading, but it is misleading in the sense that ESNS... um, had in 2010, it bought a, or 2009, it bought a company, a very infamous vendor called Diebold Election Systems. And the DOJ at Chuck Schumer's actually urging their antitrust division intervened because the combined company was 70% of U.S. election equipment. So almost a monopoly with just ESNS. And it forced ESNS to dissolve Diebold and sell some of its assets, which it did. And it sold the intellectual property rights to Diebold Election Systems to Dominion Voting, and it sold some of its warehouse equipment. But ultimately, those ended up being fairly useless because ESNS would not sell its county contracts, and it kept the vast majority of county contracts for those Diebold systems. So, I mean, the only use would have been to Dominion if it was actually given the contracts, and then it could have serviced, you know, the equipment, but it wasn't given the contracts for the most part. So actually, if you're talking about sort of control of our election system, ESNS, much, its share is much larger than even that um, 44%, and Dominion's would be much smaller. And so those are sort of the two. Initially, I was, because Dominion um, Diebold was so infamous and had ties to a convicted embezzler whose crimes involved computer tampering, had close ties to it, you know, everyone was trying to figure out which is sort of the true successor of Diebold. Is it ESNS or is it Dominion? And over time, as I came to see that all of the large counties that their Diebold contracts went to ESNS, it became clear that it's really ESNS, not Dominion. So if, as between the two vendors, I, there has just been a lot more, there have been a lot more reported problems, including security breaches and and equipment failures and blatant corruption with ESNS over the past decade and even the past several years than with Dominion. So I'm not saying like I'm a fan of Dominion, but if you choose one or the other, ESNS is much more glaringly problematic. Hmm. So that was kind of, 
useless antitrust oversight. It kind of reminds me of when uh, the U.S. Treasury made a deal with Oleg Deripaska saying, all right, you got to sell some of your shares of your company in order to avoid sanctions. And he did, but he unloaded them to the Kremlin so and his family members. So, you know, exactly. it's like, oh, and now, now everything's better. So, yeah. so here's why I ask you about these two, because I mean, we did, we did have the Georgia hand recount, um, you know, four or 5 million ballots and they, and the numbers matched up with the, with the dominion counting machines that didn't, they didn't see large discrepancies right. there. Uh, and that was just a courtesy recount. Then there was another recount, but that was done by machine, and it came up with the same, uh, you know, roughly the same mm-hmm. thing. And and so we have a little bit of that sort of, okay, it seemed to go okay uh, with those counting machines. But my concern here, and I've brought this up on the show before, is that we are now, you know, Democrats uh, are are marching around saying, Nothing was wrong with this election. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Uh, everything is accurate. There's no fraud. There's no vote changing. There's no nothing. And I think that that could come back to bite us, kind of like when we were all marching around after the Me Too movement saying, believe all women. Yeah. Believe all women. I didn't do that either, but yeah. <laughs> that, that was and then we of- get the Tara Reid we get the Tara Reid uh, story, and then then you kind of go, oh, well, wait, we should look into this. And everybody on the right goes, ah, 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 you said believe all women. You said believe all women. Yes. I feel like we're walking into a trap here because it kind of takes away our ability to question the integrity of not the election on the whole or that Joe Biden won it by a landslide, but to question the fact that Trump even got 70 million votes or some of these con- you know counties in Kentucky where there were more votes cast than residents or more or half of the half of the number of democrats voted for the democratic uh, senators you know it just seems off but now we we were terrified to question those results on the other side because it could throw into question or we might look like we're questioning joe biden's victory it's very dicey and i mean i really hope that the campaign campaign isn't saying things like, um, you know, this was a perfectly secure election. It may be. I haven't really been keeping that close track. I think Chris Krebs, for example, is overstating the security. I think he was so happy that the Kremlin didn't apparently, I mean, if they interfered, they didn't interfere enough to to get Trump reelected. And he was focused on foreign interference, not domestic. But the truth is, as I've been saying for several years, we also have always had to worry about domestic interference by corrupt insiders and and hackers, internet hackers. So, yes, I worry very much that we are falling into a trap. We did this in 2016, before the election, where we said that it was going to be perfectly secure, and Hillary said that she was going to accept the outcome no matter what it was, and it wasn't a secure election. We actually have learned through Bob Woodward, of all sources, that the Kremlin Kremlin's agents deposited malware in at least two Florida counties. I'm sure that there is more than that that we don't, that we'll never we may never know. And it's almost the ultimate gaslighting. So what is just driving me crazy is that because well, largely because we knew that Russia was attacking our election infrastructure and had successfully used the internet to attack voter registration systems in 2016, the Democrats championed a bill called the SAFE Act. And the SAFE Act would have done several things, including banning connecting voting equipment to the internet 
and requiring robust manual election audits to confirm electronic outcomes. The GOP blocked it, from which really, I mean, what the only real explanation is that they felt these, this interference would help them. And McConnell even said that he thought any foreign interference anyway would help the Republicans. I think he admitted that in one of his moments. And so, and then the outcome of these races was actually the Republicans did better than expected. Trump did better than expected, according to the polls. Now, polls are not evidence in the sense that, you know, you can't put them into evidence in court because they are themselves not transparent and there is a bit of an art to them. But there were many polls and the vast, vast, vast majority, including right-leaning pollsters, concluded that Trump would lose. And he did better than expected. And, you know, the the House races that we lost, there were 17 that were supposed to be toss-ups. The GOP won all but one. And that is, that's what you call a red flag that would require investigation, I think. It certainly justifies it. I don't mean legally requires it. But we are, I'm very concerned we're not going to do our due diligence and look into those and look into the Senate races. From what I understand, the results in the Senate races were actually predicted, but they are nonetheless heavily red shifted. And I think that warrants, by which I mean, they got much, much higher percentages than was expected. And by predicted, maybe I, it was predicted to be like a dead heat or something. I don't know that it was predicted necessarily in all of them that they would win. And, you know, Susan Collins may be the exception, too. I don't really know. I'm thinking of more the um, Kentucky and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, the exit polls, at least, support um, supported the outcome. But but it was a heavily redshifted outcome, heavily. Right. Now, it seems like they padded the, <laughs> you I mean, know. It, it could be conceivably, and this is speculation. I want to be clear. I am speculating. Um, but it could be that there was a desire to make his popular vote total look better than it was um, in order to let him, you know, to lodge court challenges. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one, one theory that I have heard, or it could be that nothing happened, but there is an obligation. I think of due diligence when you continually see shifts and they're almost always to the right. And that's even, you know, the pollsters actually have been adjusting their exit poll. They did starting in 2018, they, they there was like a, a, a not very well reported, but there was an article where the pollsters were saying, yeah, we're going to shift our numbers all to the right because we're tired of our numbers being off. So, you know, you, so, hmm. so there you are. Yeah. I think there is a duty of investigation and I think we need to demand it. I don't think right now, um, I don't, I don't think the Biden campaign is in a position at the moment. I probably would not advise them to go out and say we need to investigate these. But I think we need to. I think the media should probably, you know, the more mainstream media, I wish they would say it, but I know that they won't. So I don't know. It's on us. Yeah. You and me, AG. (laughs) Let's do it. But I, you know, I, I, you know, you talk about we need to focus a lot on domestic interference, too. And it feels like... um, it feels like we didn't get the Russian interference that we got in 2016, but we had those right. we had those exact same kind of uh, ploys picked up by Trump supporters here in the United States, and they tried to do it, but they did a really shitty job. For example, Giuliani uh, trying to get the and Ron Johnson trying to get this Joe Hunter Biden laptop thing, get, trying to get legs for that, and it never 
worked or Jacob Wool making his own robocalls in Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania into, you know, into groups and, and districts that are heavily um, populated by black voters to say, you know, if you if you show up to vote, they're going to, you know, put out warrants and they'll know where you live and they know who you voted for. And, you know, putting out these fake robocalls, he is now being charged with a lot of crimes for that. So that's what I feel like Manafort and Kalimnik with the Kremlin's help were trying to do in those three states in 2016. Now you've got some, you know, 23-year-old SEC banned shithead trying to do it here locally for for Trump. But it, it's, you know, just because it doesn't come from Moscow doesn't mean it's now it's, you know, not happening from inside the house, right? The call's coming from inside the house, basically. And so... Yes. It's it's very concerning. It's very concerning. And I think you're right. I think it's going to be up to independent journalists and investigative journalists and, and to, to look into these things. Because, yeah, you're right. The Biden campaign is a not not no one. It's not a good time to question the outcome of this election. Not for them. But, you know, there has been a narrative vacuum that the right has taken advantage of. And really, I think that I mean, there was written media about the vulnerabilities with equipment. Although one thing I noticed, I have an issue with people who do headlines. They're really bad at it. And so it took me a long time and really carefully watching the market to realize that almost all of these articles that were coming out with serious problems involved ESMS because they wouldn't put it in the headline. Um, And they should have because you can see how effective repetition is. You know, the way that the Republicans are saying dominion, 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 everyone thinks that they are the biggest, most corrupt, worst vendor. And they're, I mean, as far as I can tell, they're really not. By far, ESNS is the, is the bigger problem. And, and, but there has been a narrative vacuum and the television media in particular really fell down on the job because for so many people, it's not real unless it's on the Maddow show or other shows and for the, or Joy Reid. And so for the past year, every night there should have been a segment on election security and how the GOP was blocking efforts to secure the election, in particular the SAFE Act, because they're only allowed to, to even tell their own followers that they're victims because nobody knows that. Nobody knows the Democrats championed the SAFE Act and that the Republicans killed it. And that it would have banned internet connectivity. And if everybody knew that, and that requires repetition, not one episode, every freaking night, had they done their job, the Republicans would not be able to run away with the narrative right now. And it is, and and there is some blame to go for the Democrats who did, I think they tried to do it quietly. You know, they don't want to undermine trust in elections, so they didn't, or they're just bad messengers or a combination of the two, but they didn't have talking points. So no one even knew what was in the SAFE Act. And yeah. I think it, I was begging them to say it would have banned internet connectivity because nobody knew the machines connected to the internet. It wasn't, I mean, it was in the written media. Kim Zetter did a really good job covering it in the written media, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of Americans had no freaking clue. All they knew was Jim Comey sent standing up there saying that they don't. And that was mm-hmm. not true. And had they known that, you know, it would have made, but now the, the Republicans are running with the narrative. Oh my God, they connect to the internet. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You, your leaders knew that. I called him Moda Mitch. I tried to get that trending. It didn't work. I'm trying again. <laughs> um, anyway. Well, I mean, you know, we, we and who knows, we might look back on this and say it, it, it might have been a, a good idea that we didn't bring up questions about election security in in the month leading up to the election. Because if you look at what happened in Georgia with Trump saying, 
vote by mail is dangerous. Uh, he he, twenty four thousand Republicans who voted in twenty eighteen didn't vote. They didn't vote, uh, and and he he lost the state by fewer votes than that. And it you know who knows how it could have impacted uh, things. I yeah, I don't think so. He did more than that though. He said don't vote by mail. He really lost in the vote by mail. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. You know, by by yeah, he didn't he didn't just question vote by mail. He said, "Don't do it." <laughs> it's very, it's different. Yes, he said, "Don't do it." I mean, there's there was a Harris poll that showed from the midterms, which showed that people were more likely to vote, not less, because of concerns about hacking. It is speculation to say that people won't turn out if they're concerned about hacking. Um, so, I mean, I think that the idea being you can overwhelm the hack with overwhelming turnout is why people tend to turn out when they hear that there's concerns about it. So, yeah, no, yeah. there was there was the truth is always the best to lead with. And if you don't, then it allows you can be, it can be weaponized either way. You can lose you know, the and narrative. That's really, the Republicans, yeah. I, I worry they both, you know, they weaponize the vulnerabilities both ways. It is certainly possible. Speculation that they use it to hack. And now they're using the vulnerabilities to claim that they're a victim. And that is sad. Yeah. And and now you have and now what you have going on in Georgia is you have the entire Trump party, I guess, the polonium tea party, I call them, uh, you know, boycotting so many people. There's billboards. It, you just started on parlor as a thing like don't vote. You can't trust the vote. And they could lose their Senate runoffs um, well, because of this disinformation. And, and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. But I, I do I do thank you for coming on and, and explaining this to us. Um, and, you know, we're just going to keep moving forward and trying to get the truth out there. Anything else you want to impart upon uh, the listeners before we get out of here? Yes, I got a tip a few days ago and I put it in my pinned tweet about ES&S. This is, again, the vendor they do not want to talk about, the Republicans don't want to talk about. And there was a bug in its, what's called its hash verification um, script, which would have allowed ES&S or really anyone else to install unauthorized slash, it could have been vote flipping software in ES&S equipment throughout the United States. And it was discovered by accident in Texas in August of 2020, and it appears that it was hidden, that it was covered up until now. Um, The Texas Secretary of State quietly released the report on it, which was in September is when they wrote it. They just released it a couple of days ago, and one of my followers sent it to me. So that is a big deal, and um, you know, I that's what people should be looking at, and hopefully we will look at it after the Biden after Biden is sworn in. If not before, I have some big questions about what happened in Texas and Kentucky and a few other places, but we will, I think, eventually get to it. So um, tell people ever, uh, where they can find you on Twitter and follow you, because I think it's important that we stay on top of this. Sure. I'm at Jenny Cohn one, J-E-N-N-Y-C-O-H-N-1, and I have my direct messages open. Awesome. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Election security expert Jenny Cohn. I appreciate your time. Thanks, A.G. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting this podcast. I want to tell you about my new favorite life hack. It's the most useful app on my phone. It's called Blinkist. If you're like me, you're on the go, very busy, and finding time to read a whole book is hard. And Blinkist is designed to solve this problem. It's really unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser, whatever you use there. It takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know, bottom-line, up-front info from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses it down to 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 
Uh, most successful people are known to be really, really voracious readers. Blinkist has made it easy for busy people who want to get the main points of a book quickly and start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, you can finish a book while driving or working out or walking the dog. And 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, history, politics, everything. So Blinkist has the latest titles from bestsellers, as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never got around to. Uh, I like Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I get the main points, and that helps me evaluate which books I want to read in full later. That's how I use this app. I recently read Shattered by Jonathan Allen and Amy Parnes, and I highly recommend it. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price. So right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to Blinkist.com beans to try it free for seven days, and you'll save 25% off on your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com beans to start your free seven-day trial, and you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday. That means joining me today for the good news is Amy Carrero. Amy, how was your week? Hi. I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. It's only been a week though. Um or two weeks. No, um, it's been it's been two weeks, yeah, yeah, because we had we had Thanksgiving. That's right. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? I was nice. I made myself a little dinner and ate it and then went to sleep. <laughs> nice. Same. Except Tim and I attempted to make turkey breasts. And let me just I mean, I'm sure most of the listeners know this because they're functioning adults. But uh turkey breast is not the same as um, cooking a whole turkey. In fact, it has no flavor, so wouldn't recommend. <laughs> yeah, I made a little Cornish game hen with some onion powder and garlic and paprika Ooh. and rosemary and thyme, and it was delicious, and I ate that little guy. God, that sounds delicious. And I had some stuffing and potatoes, and I got I got chastised on the socials for not having a vegetable, but um, I eat vegetables every single day of my <laughs> life, so... Wait, so you had... You had stuffing and, and chicken, and what were the sides, the other sides? Just stuffing and mashed potatoes. Mashed pota- potato is a vegetable. Mm, not technically, I guess. Oh, it's, it's not? A starch. Oh, for no. fuck's sake. It grows in the ground. It's a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure stuffing has like celery in it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You had a vegetable. Yeah. Right. And and I think Prosecco is a vegetable, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there we go. So taken care of. We did it. <laughs> oh, thank you for sending in your good news stories. I'm excited to read these. You can send these in if they're personal or political or if you have a confession or a correction. If I made a mistake, you're going to send them all in, all in the same place, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Um, I'll kick us off if that's cool with you, Amy. Yeah. All right. First up from anonymous pronouns, he and him. Good news. First of all, thank you, AG, so much for all the work you're doing to keep us informed and sane going through these past four years. Deep breath and relief. Mm. I am a teacher at a, uh, and distance learning has been rough, but it has brought a few good things into my life. Staying home all the time has spoiled my cats and invented a new game of cat bowling where we will throw a treat down a long hallway and watch while the younger cat bounds happily down the hallway after it. <laughs> I've also been taming a local stray back in April when I started trying to feed him. 
He was skin, bone, and scabs. Being a Tom, he regularly gets in squabbles with others. After several months of food and treats, I'm happy to report that he is becoming a little chonker. And when I approach him, I'm greeted with a lifted nose that he expects to be booped. Pictures include uh, as pet picture included as pet tax black and white one with the door on his head uh, with the door with <laughs> with his head in the bowl is the stray the little black one in my lap is one of the little bowlers little pleasures and small good news are nice pieces small good news pieces are nice I'm writing because I had a huge joyous surprise yesterday I found out one of my former students that I taught in speech and debate and science has been named by Biden as no. deputy treasury secretary. What? What? Wally Adiemo was incredibly intelligent. You you taught <gasps> Wally? That's so cool. Was incredibly intelligent and a gracious student. And I'm so excited to hear he'll be serving with Biden and Harris. Having no kids of my own makes my students all the more dear to me. This is amazing. Super proud teacher moment. You didn't lead with that, Anonymous? Oh, my God. <laughs> he buried the lead. Oh, he did. He buried the lead. P.S. Amy. My wife and I have been watching She-Ra whenever we need an emotional Aww. boost. Look at this baby kitty. That is so sweet. And the little stray kitty. Oh, he looks good. Now, let me ask you a cat, a cat question. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, kudos to Anonymous because this, I mean, my mom's a teacher. I, I cannot imagine how challenging it must be during this time especially, but it's got to feel so freaking good to have... Mm. A student that is so accomplished, you know, like reach these heights. Like how, how great is that? Mm, Yeah. I was just, you know, um, when they had their, you know, their economic council introduction of these positions and Wally got up and spoke. um, I'm so impressed and just, I'm really excited. He's going to be working um, with Janet Yellen there at uh, the treasury department. She's the first woman secretary, and he will be the first black uh, deputy secretary of Treasury. It's just so many firsts, and it's incredible. And and what an amazing, intelligent, brilliant uh, man he is. So congratulations. Congratulations. Can I ask a quick question about cats? Because I unfortunately don't have any cats, as I am deathly allergic. It's very sad. It's like one of the biggest tragedies of my life. But can a stray cat become a domesticated cat? Or mm-hmm, is that yeah. a no-no? Oh, you can't. Okay, okay, okay. I see. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether they want to come. Well, I mean, some do, some don't. Some cats, right. some feral cats will never be domesticated. Um, right. But, you know, you take them, you, you always take them to the vet, make sure you check them out, make sure they aren't going to bring anything to to your healthy right. gatos. And and then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've brought in a couple of feral cats in, in my time. Aww. and. A lot of times, if you just neuter them or spay them, they chill, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's good to know. Which you should always do. Absolutely. Oh, so cool. Well, thank you for that bit of info. Okay, next up, we have um, Perk, pronouns she, her. Fun photo, saw this license plate on the streets of Reno, and it made me think of my ladies of the beans. Thank you for all your work. I love the podcast. I feel much smarter for it and it's a picture of uh, is that a honda pacific or uh, something pacifica plymouth i don't know and the the license plate says daily bean d-l-y-b-e-a-n that's really cool i can't even think of what else that could mean i i i truly can't either 
I really can't. Maybe maybe they have a, a YouTube account where they showcase their beanie babies. But that's my only other guess. D-L-Y-B-E-A-N. I mean, that's Daily Beans. Yo, if there's someone Delay? in Nevada writing, write, listening and riding around in that white car with the Daily Bean license plate, let us know. We really want to know. That's incredible. That would be weird. That would be so cool. And and also they spent the extra of cash on the you know the the license plate like custom which is yes. very cool yes indeed look at that that's so amazing okay I have to know now I have to know and I like I want to put it on social media but then do I oh, is right. that oh, illegal wait like we just gave you know? away I just gave away their license plate yeah but huh. I mean right it, no I hear you I hear you. Huh. No. All I right. Well, we'll figure. Out. <laughs> we'll figure. Out. If you're listening <laughs> out there, please give us a signal. Yeah, let us know. Uh, okay. Next up from Brianna. Pronoun she and her. I don't know if it's Brianna or Brianna, but pronoun she and her. Good day and good cheer, beanie brethren and cistern. Ever since AG mentioned her love of chickens, I've been racking my brain to try to come up with some confession or good news I could submit purely <laughs> as an excuse to send this photo of my youngest spawn and his favorite pet chicken, oh. Ruth Bader Hensburg. Bye. Uh, Ruth is an Easter egger who lays green eggs, but she was wow. named because of her lovely feather collar that reminded us so much of our late great feminist hero. The truth is, it shouldn't be so hard for me to find the good news in the, in the fire swamp that has been this last year, but it's easy to lose perspective when you feel that you must constantly be vigilant for the flame spurts, lightning, sand, and R-O-U-S's that have plagued our nation for the last four years. Yes, the fire swamp. Yes, I just called our current but soon to be passing White House occupants and sycophants rodents of unusual size. Great Princess Bride <laughs> reference, Brianna. In any case, we should move towards... Uh, um, a new dawn. I realize that what happened this year is a new closeness has grown between my three sisters, one brother, Aww. myself, and our remaining parent, my mom. We've texted more, FaceTimed and Zoomed almost weekly. Somehow, even though they are in Alaska and I'm in flyover country, I feel closer to them than I have in years. We've even participated in virtual charity runs together as a team. Aww. The pragmatically salient m- morphemes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. I dug deep and found some joy. Thank you deeply for helping me stay positive and for bringing perspective, humor, and joy to all of us humble listeners. Now tell me what an adorable pecker I have. <gasps> Bye. O-M-G. Well, there's two adorable figures in this picture. Mm, that's a beautiful chicken. That's a beautiful chicken. I would. I need to know more about these green eggs. I don't think I've ever seen a green egg. I thought that was just in the book. I, I guess they're called <laughs> Easter eggers when they lay peculiar colors. But look oh, at this! Fun. Look at this kid! Look at those eyelashes! The kid on him. is. The, I mean, you know what? It's really the great, the great injustice of of the the world, which is like little boys get the best eyelashes, <laughs> and then so we just you know glue stuff on them for the rest of our lives. Right. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, not jealous at all. Very cute. Love, 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 love. Okay, next up we have Angela, pronouns she, her. Did you know if you get an extra advent calendar and start it on December 27th, it turns into an inauguration calendar? (laughs) Um, (laughs) If it's one of those 12-day calendars, start it on January 8th. I'm thinking about getting one of... (laughs) one of those with booze i'm enclosing a picture of my pod kittens for the podcast tax doing a cute seasonal kitten thing we were uh we 
keep trying to convince them not to do. Oh my gosh. I, uh, I really cats. butchered this, but this makes up the cat. I mean, bye. Cats in Christmas trees. Send those pictures immediately if you have them. Cats in the tree. This cat is in the tree and he's looking at you like, what the fuck? I'm in the tree. Leave me alone. The, the cat is like, I'm being naughty and deal with it. I'm still yeah. getting gifts. Now, this is great. I saw this yesterday on Twitter. Um, all the advent calendars are going to go on sale on December 26th, right? And I right. was actually along those lines, Angela. I was thinking of getting one that has like the little tiny, you know, airline liquors, the little airport bottles, the little God, baby yes. baby boozes. And uh, the advent calendar becomes an inauguration day calendar. It is that is very cool. You know, it would be bonus Fantastic. points if you got one that had the little boxes, you know, like the little tiny baby doors. And in mm. each door, you put like a sippy cup of alcohol <laughs> in it or like a themed <laughs> cocktail every day. I mean, this is this is you're committing, but I'm just saying it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's great. Inauguration day calendar. It's we're getting so close. Ugh. But the news just keeps happening. Um, and so does the good news, though. So let's finish this off with this submission from Anonymous. Pronouns she, her. Anonymous says, sometimes I listen to a little of your podcast at half speed and laugh my ass off for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I've told people to do this, um, I, like we've had experiments, like I'll talk really fast and say listen to it at half speed. But if you listen to me like regular and then you take it like if I'm talking normal and you take it down to half speed, I sound like the drunk lady at the bar who just wants to talk about politics with you. Do you sound like the lady um, at the hearing with Giuliani yes. the other day? Yes, I sound like that lady. I sound there like was 20 lady. pounds of fraud. <laughs> there are. It's just look at it. You look at it. Wait, I need to try. You this. don't even know. You don't even know. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so hilarious. That's like when people were doing that thing where they where they play. Um, was it the Wizard of Oz in in sync with with the with the Wall, the Pink Floyd album? And if you're oh, like uh -huh. high, it like matches up perfectly or something. <laughs> Dude, if you're high, the wall matches up perfectly with anything. With anything. So true. <laughs> you're really an icon. You've really made it. People are actually like slowing down your voice just to see the secret messages. Like that's yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll start talking backwards and see if you can figure out my messages. Uh, anyway, she goes on. Um, the photos here are our little pup squad uh, of four rescues. Oldest is Roscoe. With the football, then Shasta, Grandma's Grandma Jean's little white multipoo, that's Shasta, and our newest black and white set, Rosie and Duke sharing a frisbee. Keep up all the great work. I listen every day to keep me sane and grounded in truth. Thank you all. Look at these two wow. puppers. Wow, 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 wow. They're beauties. Twinsies going after it. One is a little chonker. Look at him. He's got a little... Got a little girth. Got a little... Love handle. Thick, thick so in the cute. middle. And then there's that cute Maltipoo who's just looking at us <gasps> like regally. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he should be wearing like one of those old like um, <laughs> fancy Victorian suits, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Gentleman like Maltipoo. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I love that. He's a little gentleman. Oh, wait, we have one more. Oh. It crept up on us. Oh, whoa, I was wrong. We have another one. There you go. Okay. Oh, I'm scared. We got a pronunciation um thing, so I'm I'm doing my best here. Okay, merite pronounced mer it a. Did I get that Marete. right? Marete. 
Morete. Oh, Jesus, Morete. I'm sorry, Morete. Okay, Morete, pronouns she, her, says, I need some assistant, assistance from AG's and Amy's small bullshit claims court. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I feel like I should do this in an accent. Um, okay. Welcome I to the Beans uh, Court. Bullshit claims court. All rise. Okay, I came home to find the insole of my one of my shoes viciously abused. I have a suspect and some serious circumstantial evidence. See pictures of the maligned insole and individual D. The latter <laughs> picture contains photographic evidence of generalized dastardly behavior. I am asking the court to grant my petition of $2 to have my left insole <laughs> replaced. Oh, my God. God. Oh, oh, that's guilty. That's I don't know, Amy. Amy, you're the judge, but wait, no, you're the judge. Okay, how about this? I'll be the judge and I'll say guilty, and then you can commute the dog sentence. Okay, or I can be the guy outside of court who ends up working for TMZ eventually, Doug Llewellyn. <laughs> I'd be like, well, you know, you saw the photo of the shoe and the insole outside of the shoe, and then you flip two in the dishwasher hiding under the top rack. There oh. you have your culprit. Um, mm-hmm. I can't help it, um, ma'am. I just, I had just, I was, uh, insole was delicious. <laughs> Whoa, he really did some surgery on that, um, insole. I know. <laughs> or individual D did. I mean, it came out, like, perfectly, like, I would trust this dog to, like, pull out my appendix. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it did look, came out, no problem. Hey, I will say, wait a second. You know what, though, um... Marete, looking at the soul here, it doesn't seem damaged enough to me. I mean, right. I see the little wear, like the normal wear and tear from walking, yeah. but I, I don't necessarily think there's enough damage here to warrant the full $2. I'm going to go ahead and award $1 and then give the dog a treat. That's my <laughs> decision. I, I agree with that. Court is dismissed. Mm. Cool. Uh, and... Uh-oh, Amy's court submission by John, he and oh, him, shit. and Jade, she, her, wrong. <laughs> she, her, wrong. Uh, okay, hey, now we're getting court submissions. This is impressive. I love it. This is actually, this is a really lovely um, development that I'm very happy about. All right, plaintiff, husband, defendant, wife, <laughs> seeking an injunction, claim. We have our normal disagreements, for instance, I, husband, can't stand dark hallways and installed LED lights for the sole purpose to leave the lights on and minimize stubbed toes and the loud <laughs> expletives that follow, which risk waking sleeping children. This bugs my wife, but this isn't what this complaint is about. <laughs> okay, good. We have a little background. We have a little background here in the court. Love file. it. Love it. This complaint is so egregious that I'm considering uh-huh. filing a criminal complaint. Looks like my preferred TV lawyer, Rudy Giuliani Esquire-ish, isn't available at the moment, but I figured... <laughs> I would try Amy's court first, since my kids would miss my wife when she said when she was invis- inevitably sent to Guantanamo. My wife thinks it's funny to spell things out with her dismembered hair on the shower wall. <gasps> oh my god! Pause while I throw up a little. I wash it off the wall and pile it up in the corner of the shower, hoping she will discard her rat's nest. In the past three years, bro. It may have been thrown away a handful of times. This current swamp oh nugget God. has been sitting there for a few months. Please help. Listen. Okay. Well, go ahead. You can finish that. Uh, that's the uh, claim. The defense, it says, not applicable. 
Okay. Uh, and then it says attached for consideration are two per, are two pups, Bernie and Frida, trying on their winter coats for the first time. Okay, so Listen. we've got the photo of the dogs. We've got spelled out words in hair that only get oh. thrown out every couple of months. Look, I, I'm going to have to recuse myself from this case because I have, a, a, when I say it's a phobia, it's a phobia of hair in the shower. In fact... When Tim and I were living in Canada in like a tiny little like executive stay like apartment, the shower was so small that one could not avoid stray hairs in the shower. So before, if he were to take a shower last and I was going to, or sorry, first and I was going to take a shower after him, I would literally make him look at the shower to make sure there weren't like stray hairs because it would gross me out so much. So I, oh, I have no. to recuse myself. I cannot be I cannot be an impartial judge here. Well, it seems as though John might have the same phobia. Uh, yeah. uh, you're the judge, but I'll I'll go ahead. Uh, you know, I'll be a court of appeals here. Great. Uh, you're recusing yourself because I would also send I would also send her to to Guantanamo, and that's not appropriate for this crime. But I I'm I'm very triggered by it. So please go ahead. Mm, yeah, see, I'm going to go ahead and file an amicus brief on behalf of Jade <laughs> and say, hey, why is hair on her head when it's attached to her head okay and actually delightful and probably something that you would want to touch or smell or have fall around you? Uh, but then once it becomes detached from the scalp, it is abhorrent and disgusting. I don't quite understand that concept. Oh uh, God, I do. I don't. I don't understand why it disembodied. I guess. I guess if you looked at it like if someone's head is attached to their body, it's really great, and you want to kiss it and smooch it and pinch its cheeks. But once it's disembodied and you find just a head, that's probably gross. Um. Yeah. I will say also, this. I, I, I'm, I'm acting as I'm acting as a prosecution here, but let me also just say that You're the judge. that you know every. I know, but I, I had to recuse myself, and now I'm coming back as a, you know this is like a fantasy game we're playing here. <laughs> Terrible at this job, but but I think that actually because everyone knows like hair and nails are like dead, right? Like they're dead cells. So mm-hmm. once they become detached, you you can't help but think like, ooh, somebody was in here, you know, washing off the day's grime, and they left a piece of dirty hair behind that hair might be clean it could be clean hair oh god i don't know what it is it just it just i'm sorry john i'm sorry i'm so sorry about it i would like to continue my amicus brief i would like to continue (laughs) my amicus brief by saying it's fucking hilarious that she spells words and i am actually going to uh before we make a decision i think i need to put in an order a minute order requesting what words were spelled out with the hair (laughs) I think if I knew how funny it was, I'd be able yeah. to probably render a more fair judgment. Without all the information, I think that, that we would need additional evidence. So we'll wait for that. Let's look at this dog photo. Oh, oh my this god. This makes up for the visual. Oh my <gasps> gosh. <gasps> is that a is that a Frenchie or a Boston? I don't know. That's a really good question. I think maybe is it something to do with the ears? Is that what separates or is the distinguishing factor? I think that's a Frenchie. And then the boxer. Oh, my God. They're yeah. adorable. They're just so adorable. Oh, I love how um, I can't. I don't know if it's Bernie or Frida. I think Bernie might be the taller one. But I love how he sits without actually putting his butt on the floor. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. He's squatting. See that? Yeah. It's like hover butt. 
That's adorable. <laughs> hover butt. Hover, hover, hover butt. Wow, I'm I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to like have a drink after this because all of my senses are you know when someone says like someone suggests like oh a snake and then all of a sudden you feel snakes all over your body like I I would sooner stick my whole hand up a raw turkey and pull out the crap inside than have to face a rogue hair even my own in the shower. You're funny. <laughs> well, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the with the gross out of the hair. I'm on board with that, but I really need that additional information. I've, I've yeah, that's put, yeah, you're right. I filed the order. Um, you know, so so say we all. Oh, I don't know how you end court order. I just signed so, my oh, name. Oh, uh, and but, and scene. Uh, uh, but I need to know what words are being spelled out with the hair. I think that's a very important piece of evidence that has not been included in this case. So thank you, uh, John and Jade. Uh, we will look forward to your uh, reply. Um, and I give you until one week from today, midnight. Um, all right, that's it. That's the good news. Do you have anything you want to say on the way out, Amy? Uh, we're almost there, guys and gals and everyone and folks. Uh, I don't know where we're going, but it's got to be better than here. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. It's like can't last call for here. the administration. <laughs> <laughs> I love it Uh, everybody we'll see you at 4 o'clock for the happy hour on Zoom and uh, we don't we can't open it up to the public anymore we've had a we've been crashed before so we'll see you then until then everyone please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of your mental health and take care of the planet I've been AG and I've been Amy Carrero and them's the beans The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.